0: Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Sabbath Services. Now, what we're going to do, we're going to cover and finish the birth of Christ today. Now, the book of Acts is a very interesting book, and we're going to answer the question, how did Luke get some of the words that we read in Luke 1 and 2 that are the direct words of Elizabeth and Mary. So let's find out something here. Acts the first chapter. He says verse 1, in the first account I indeed have written, O Theophilus, concerning all the things that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up after giving command by the Holy Spirit to the apostles His chosen ones. Okay. Now then. When you read the book of Acts, we find this. All of the chapters go along and they are a narration about what other people did. And you find that Acts 1, Acts 2, all the way through different narrations. Okay. When did Luke come on the scene and join Paul? Because that's a key. Okay. We find these things in, like, in, in chapter six and chapter seven, chapter eight chapter 9 chapter 10 all of these are narrations that paul was not involved in so how do we find where paul identifies that he's writing this including himself okay we come all the way over to chapter 16, chapter 16, and verse 10. Now, this is when Paul had the vision to go over to Macedonia, and it appears that Luke was with him because he's writing it. Now, how would you identify that Luke was there? Now, when you're writing something, you say, I, correct? Correct? Now what is I? First person, singular. Okay. Here's where we first come in, where we find that Luke must have been with him. So let's read it. Acts 16 and verse 10. And after he had seen the vision, we. So that is first person, plural. He's including himself. Okay? When you write a letter to someone to explain to someone about something, and you were with people, and you did an event, and you're trying to tell someone else, you said, well, we went to town. You don't say, I went to town. You don't say, in the case of Paul, Paul went to Macedonia. He writes, we. We immediately sought to go into Macedonia. Then come down here to verse 12. From there, we went to Philippi. We. Very interesting indeed. So Paul is having this narration written by Luke. All right, come over here to chapter 20. Chapter 20. Now this becomes interesting okay. because from here on Paul and the group with him are going on up to Jerusalem. Okay? Chapter 20 and let's pick it up here in verse 13. Then we went on ahead to the ship and sailed to Assos they're intending to take in Paul, for he had so appointed since he himself was going on foot. And when he met us, now us are the other ones listed up at the beginning of the chapter at Assos, we took him in, and we came to Macedonia. Now all the way through the the journey, it's all we. Plus we have some very direct comments written down about what Paul said and the things that happened. Okay, Now, let's come all the way over here to chapter 24. Now, let's look at it. Let's understand what happened. He went up to Jerusalem. He gave witness to the Jews. He was almost killed by them. He was saved by a Roman centurion, taken up into Fort Antonia for his own protection. And then after speaking to the Sanhedrin, he went back to the Fort Antonia. And then there were men who were plotting to kill Paul if he would come down to another meeting. And the son of Paul's sister heard it, came and told Paul. Then it was told to the centurion, and the centurion told it to the chief captain. And then they took Paul down by armed guard to Caesarea. Now, that was in 58 A.D. So how long was Paul in Caesarea. And where was Luke? That becomes the question. How did he understand these things? Okay, We'll look at two sources on how to do it. But here, Acts 24 and verse 27. But at the end of two years, Felix was succeeded as governor by... Porcius Festus and desiring to gain favor for himself with the Jews Felix left Paul bound. Now chapter 25 Now three days after Festus arrived in the province he went to Jerusalem. He went up there to see what the problem was that happened two years earlier. Now he had them come down and it ended up that he could have been let free had he not appealed to Caesar. Okay? So, could it be that during this two-year period, what was Luke doing? He was probably writing the book of Acts and the gospel of Luke. Because some of those things that he has. The first two chapters of Luke, he had to be talking to Mary especially. Let's come to chapter 27. Now, verse 1, chapter 27. Now, when it was decided that we notice, Luke again was with him. So, these verses show that Luke was with Paul all during the time. He was under house arrest there in Caesarea, okay? That we should sail to Italy, they delivered up Paul and certain other prisoners to a centurion named Julius, who was at the band of Augustus. And after boarding the ship, okay, which was bound uh, to pass by the coast of Asia, we set sail. So Luke went with him to Rome. So that's when he probably got all the information for his gospel and for the book of Acts, up to the point that he was with Paul. Okay, now let's look at something else that's interesting in Acts the sixth chapter. Acts the 6th chapter. Now here is the account where they have the seven men that were ordained to serve on the tables. So they told him, verse 1, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a complaint by the Greeks against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. And after calling the multitude of disciples to them, the twelve said, It is not proper for us to leave the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, brethren, search out from among yourselves seven men of good report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And we will give ourselves continually to prayer and ministry of the Word. Now, what is the ministry of the Word? That had to be, they were writing the accounts of the Gospel. So, What did they have there? What did the apostles already have accumulated and written and was there wherever their their main place was in Jerusalem? We don't know. Okay. Now then, let's come back and we'll see some things. Let's come to Luke, the first chapter again. Remember... Elizabeth was old and we don't know how old Mary was. Now she may have been 18 or 19. We don't know how old Joseph was. And we don't know when he died. But we'll examine that in just a little bit. So here's what we know. In Luke, the first chapter, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Mary went to visit her. And she stayed for three months. Okay? And as I mentioned last time, what do you suppose they talked about? The very thing that was happening to both of them, right? Okay? Okay? And we have the first person words of Mary and Elizabeth. That's quite an astounding thing, isn't it? So let's go over that again. And we will find one thread that they understood. Now when they spoke, they were inspired of the Holy Spirit. So, But you can't speak inspired things of the Holy Spirit unless you already have something in your own mind to begin with. Correct? Now let's pick it up here. Verse 41. This is when Mary came into Elizabeth's house. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting that the babe leaped in her womb. Now, only Elizabeth knew that. So therefore, she had to write it down, right? She had to tell someone, but she hid herself for six months. She wasn't talking to anyone but Zacharias. And he couldn't talk back because he was dumb because he didn't believe Gabriel the angel. So I don't know how that would work. But we know a little later that Zachariah asked for a writing tablet, so he probably wrote the things down. Which tells you, if there's a writing tablet and you write things down, don't you suppose that Mary and Elizabeth also wrote these things down so that we have their exact words? I mean, that's quite a thing to think about. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. How did she know she was pregnant? It just happened, and she went over to see Elizabeth. Well, of course, Mary knew at the instant that it occurred. Okay, But normally a woman doesn't know that she's pregnant until what? A little over a month later, right? That's a normal sequence of time. Okay. So here, how did she know that Mary was pregnant? Had to be revealed by the Holy Spirit. Verse 43. But why is this happening to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now that's quite a statement. So that had to be inspired by God. Now, if you all of a sudden had an inspiration that was really something, what would you do to remember it? You'd write it down. It says of Mary, she kept these things in her heart. But that doesn't mean she didn't write them down because we get the exact words. I mean, the exact words. Verse 44, For behold, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ear, the baby in my womb leaped for exultation, and blessed is she who has believed, for there shall be a fulfillment of the things spoken to her from the Lord. Okay? Now notice what Mary says. This is quite a thing. Verse 46, Then Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has exalted in God my Savior. Now look at that. Okay? Down here, the mother of my Lord. Up here, Savior. Verse 48. For he has looked upon the humble estate of his handmaid, for behold... From this time forward, all generations shall count me blessed. That had to be inspired from God, but so important it had to be written down. How would we get it if it wasn't written down? All right? We can say, if it wasn't written down right away, which I suppose that it was, when Luke was there in Caesarea, he could travel up to Jerusalem back and forth. It was only a little over a day's journey and Mary he could talk to. Okay. So, let's take a little sidebar on the age of Mary. If you got something to write down, you can write it down. If Mary was 18 when Jesus was born, and Jesus died at 33 and a half years old, that means... By 30 A.D., she was 51 and a half years old. Okay? By 30 A.D. 28 years later, because it was in 58 that Paul was arrested and put in prison down in Caesarea. Okay? Luke, we saw, was with him. Okay? So by 28 years, she was 79 and a half, okay? And the two years that they were there in Caesarea would make her 81 and a half. So if if Luke, which he probably did, went up to where the apostles kept all their writings, and you know they would keep them, okay? They were good record keepers. And Mary was still living, The only other way he could have gotten these words would be that he talked directly to Mary and she remembered every word at 80. Okay. Which then would be over 50 years. Okay. So it shows she had knowledge plus she had inspiration. Okay. Back to Luke 1. Verse 48 again. For he has looked upon the humble estate of his handmaid, for behold, from this time forward, all generations shall count me blessed. Now that's quite a statement. That had to be inspiration of God for her to speak that. Because the Almighty One has done great things to me, and holy is His name. Well, that's quite a thing that was done. And his mercy is toward those who fear him from generation to generation. So she, in this inspiration, she was given some knowledge that this would go on down in time. Okay? He has worked strength with his arm. He has scattered the haughty and the imagination of their hearts. He has put down rulers from thrones, and he's exalted the lowly. And that's exactly what God is continually doing. Okay, Now, that applies to us, doesn't it? We are the lowly, the weak of the world. It tells us that we have little strength, but we have faith in God. Okay, And we know that we're the ones who are going to be sons and daughters of God, and rule with Christ. Now that's quite a thing. Think about that. And we're 2,000 years removed from this. This is fantastic information. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Did he not do that with the rich man? Rich man came to him. Said, so what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he went away. He still had his goods, but he was empty. He didn't receive anything from Christ because he wasn't willing to sell and give to the poor. Okay. Now, verse 54 He has helped his servant Israel in remembering his mercy exactly as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. So both of the women understood that they were part of the ongoing promise that God gave to Abraham. And Mary dwelt with her about three months and returned to her house. Okay. All right. Now then, let's come to chapter 2. Okay. before we get there let's go to the chronologies alright now this is why we have all of this in the Bible so that we can turn to and we can understand things and it's written down that sound familiar written down okay now, what we are going to see is something very interesting indeed. Let's come to Appendix E. All right? Appendix E is when was Jesus Christ born? Now, we have got all the details, all the historical facts, and that's page 1258 in the Bible. Okay? Okay? 1258. Now, it's more than just the calculated Hebrew calendar. There were signs in heaven, and we'll see a little later, that who followed the star. Okay? So God made it known. But notice, a rare thing happened in the year of the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus, page 1259, and it's the eclipse. So we start out with 7 B.C. and come down. Now, total eclipse in Jerusalem. Okay? 5 B.C., March 23rd at 8.30 p.m. Total eclipse. Now, that's close to when John the Baptist was born. Then... 5 B.C. Total Eclipse September 15th at 10:30 P.M. Okay, then we go through and we have other historical things. So you go ahead and read it. Okay, showing that Jesus was born in the fall. Now come to page 1263 because the calculated Hebrew calendar. You can go backwards and you can go forward. But the way that God revealed it after the flood, He did not reveal the year creation took place. Okay? So He left that a mystery. Okay? But notice here, page 1268. Now here's what you need to do. Now today, too many people are interested in the summary of things. They don't like to get into the details. But the details, if you know anything about God, if you know anything about law, if you know anything about history, the details matter. Okay? And even if you go to court because you didn't understand a contract and the judge asks you, did you read it? Well, uh, yes, I read part of it. Did you read the part here that says you're no longer entitled to money? No, sir, I didn't. Case closed. You lost because you didn't read it. Okay. So the calculated Hebrew calendar, we can, we can take this with the, we already covered that, the course of Abijah. Okay. So we have day, By day, beginning in 5 B.C., and notice right there on page 1263, in 6 B.C., rather, when a conception took place, that the first day of the first month begins on a Sabbath. Now, remember what we said about how the courses operate. They run from Sabbath to Sabbath. The course that is going off duty takes the first part of the Sabbath. The course that's coming on duty takes the last half of the Sabbath. And then they work for a week and finish off by doing the first course of the next Sabbath. So this is in absolute perfection here for the course of Abijah because he was course number eight. So you will notice, and you have to go down left column first, then the right column. It takes it all the way through. Now turn the page, and you will see every course. And then, what I did was made a probable two-week conception period for Elizabeth. And how long is a perfect pregnancy? Forty weeks. Isn't that interesting? What's the number of trial? Forty. What happens the fortieth week? The trial of birth. Right? Okay. Interesting. Okay. Now, then it comes down all the way. Then we take first month, Elizabeth's pregnancy. Second month, Elizabeth's pregnancy. Third month, fourth month, fifth month. Six months. Okay. There we go. What happened in the six month of Elizabeth's pregnancy? Well, the angel Gabriel came to the Virgin Mary, right? Okay. Then we do a duel. Then we do the end of first month for Mary, the end of the seventh month for Elizabeth. Come over to the next page, top left column end of the second month, Mary's pregnancy, end of the eighth month. Then we have end of the third month for Mary, end of the ninth month for Elizabeth, and the birth of John the Baptist. Okay. Then we come down to, notice this, total eclipse right after the birth of John the Baptist. Then we come down each month with Mary, all the way down, and then we come to the feast of trumpets. Now notice again. Notice in 6 B.C. the first day of the first month was on the Sabbath. Notice when you come here to Tishri, that's the calendar. At the top left corner of page 266, we have the Feast of Trumpets, which is the most probable date for the birth of Christ. Question. Does God do important things on His holy days? Yes. Do you not think that the first coming of Christ on the Feast of Trumpets would be appropriate? Okay. And which would also mean then, since that was the the Sabbath, first day of the seventh month was on the Sabbath, that would mean what? What would happen on the next Sabbath? That's when Christ would be circumcised. So he was circumcised on the Sabbath. Okay? But notice when the Feast of Tabernacles began we have what? The full eclipse again. So, there we have the whole work, see? Then we take it on down because it's necessary to bring it on down to when Herod died. Because Herod was still alive when Christ was born. I hope that... um you're able to follow along with those charts that are in the back of the Bible in the appendices. Now, in the appendices of the Bible that is digital online that you can download into your notebook or your iPad or your smartphone, all the appendices are there as well. And we tried to cover All of the things that would be necessary to give you the knowledge and understanding of faith. Now, we won't go to the next appendices after the one we just covered. But there we have eight. Now, listen up. Eight contemporary historical Timelines that prove that Jesus was born in 5 B.C. and his crucifixion was in 30 A.D. Catholics say 33. Some churches of God say 31 A.D. That is incorrect. That's based on an error by Dr. Hay in order to please the so-called apostle. Because the apostle had gotten it from guess who? The Seventh-day Adventist. So the things that are the most controversial in trying to understand in the Bible, we put in the commentaries and we put in the appendices. So you look at all those charts and if you don't have it, if you want a complete Bible, just go to faithfulversion.org and you find out how to get one and we'll get it to you right away. Now, let's come back to Luke, the second chapter. What we're going to find is that God, though He gave it exactly, specifically When these events would take place, where Christ would be born, everything matches up when you have the right starting point, okay? Now then, when we come to chapter 2, because the Catholics say it was 33 A.D., why did they choose that? Because in thirty three the Passover is on a Friday. Hello. Okay. But you can't get three days and three nights from Friday until Sunday morning. And he wasn't resurrected Sunday morning. He ascended. Why? Because that was the wave sheep offering day and the first of the first fruits and the harvest of of the saints is likened to a harvest, so he's the first of the first fruits. Okay? So let's come to Luke, the second chapter. Notice how God made it happen where he was born and supposed to be born, but didn't live there. Now that's quite amazing. Verse 1. Now, it happened in those days that the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Who do you suppose inspired that? God did. So that this event would take place. This registration first occurred when Serenius was governor in, of Syria. Then all went to be registered, each to his own city, where he was born. Okay, Now Joseph was of the line of David, and he was probably born, that is, David, in Bethlehem. But where were they living? Down in the area of Galilee. Verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from the house and lineage of David, to register himself along with Mary, who was betrothed to him as wife, and great with child. Now it came to pass during the time that they were there, the days were fulfilled for her to give birth. Now, it doesn't say that there was a midwife there. So it was just Mary and Joseph. Okay? And, of course, that would be a perfect birth without any complications. Okay? Verse 7, And she gave birth to her son, the firstborn, and wrapped him in... Swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. That shows this had to be a feast occasion, which backs up Feast of Trumpets is the day of his birth. Verse 8 Now there were shepherds in the same country who were dwelling in the field and keeping watch over the flock by night. This proves it didn't happen in the winter. Now, in the book that we have, so I might as well mention this too, Harmony of the Gospels, if you don't have this, you could write for it. You get it at no cost. We have a picture of Jerusalem with snow. First part of January. You don't keep sheep out in the field in the winter. So this proves it had to be before Winter. And they were keeping watch over the flock by night. And suddenly an angel of the Lord stood by them, and the glory of the Lord shined round about them, and they were seized with great fear. Now notice, the most important birth in the whole world happened in the least known circumstances possible. Okay? Mary and Joseph didn't live in Bethlehem, but they were there when Jesus was born because it was prophesied he would be born in Bethlehem. So that means that there was no place they could say was their house. A little later they had a house, we'll see. Verse 2, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Behold, I am announcing to you glad tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. Notice, God didn't didn't let this be known to the high priest. He didn't let it be known to Herod. But to two shepherd boys, okay? Jesus was to be what? Our chief shepherd, right? And what was David when he was anointed king of Israel? He was shepherding the sheep. Very interesting. Revealed to two shepherds. For today in the city of David a Savior is born to you, who is Christ the Lord. Now this is the sign for you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among men of good will. And it came to pass when the angels were departing into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now as far as Bethlehem, and let us see the thing that has taken place which the Lord has made known to us. So the only ones to broadcast this abroad were two shepherd boys. And they made haste and came and found both Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, after seeing him, they made this known everywhere, the proclamation that had been told them concerning the little child. And all those whose hearts were filled with wonder by the things that were spoken to them by the shepherds. Didn't know a single thing about it. Now, notice verse 19. But Mary stored up all these sayings, pondering them in her heart. So first they were all there. Later they were written down. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was said to them. Now when eight days were fulfilled for circumcising the little child, his name was called Jesus, which he was named by the angels before he was conceived in the womb. Okay? Now then, how long were they in Bethlehem? So we'll get an estimate on this in a little bit. Okay. Verse 22. When the days were fulfilled for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now how long was that? That was 40 days. Okay. So they were there just before he was born. So we can say maybe it was 45 days, 50 days, somewhere around there. Okay. So they came to the temple. As it is written in the law of the Lord, that every male opening the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Where do you find that? Exodus 13, right? And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and reverent, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, imagine all of this going on. Now, I'll just bring your attention to this. What did Jesus tell the apostles after Jesus said to Nathanael, Behold a man in whom there is no guile. Nathanael was taken back and said, You're the Messiah. Then he said to him, What if you could see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man? So what do we have? Angels working out all of these things. Who came to the shepherd boys? Angels. Who inspired Simeon to come to the temple? The Holy Spirit and the angels. Okay? To come when? How long would they be at the temple? Well, it wouldn't take long for that sacrifice to be to be given. Probably a half hour, 45 minutes at the most. Okay? So here he comes, Just at the right time. Okay? So let's read it. Simeon. It had been divinely communicated to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he is seen the Christ of the Lord. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when his parents brought in the little child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He also received him into his arms. He came right up to Mary, took the little baby right into his arms. Now, I don't know what Mary thought when that occurred. okay? But the angels were there making all of this happen according to what God wanted. And here's what he said. Now you may let your servant depart in peace, O Master, according to your word, For my eyes have seen your salvation, a babe, which you have prepared before the face of all people. Quite an inspiration with that. A light for the revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Uh, And Joseph and his mother wondered at the things that were being spoken concerning him. Why is this happening? Okay. Now then, verse 34, Then Simon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, the child is set for the fall and rising up of many in Israel and for a sign that shall be spoken against. Quite a thing, isn't that? Huh? Now, how far out does that stretch? The sacrifice of Christ goes all the way back in time, all through history, up to his second coming, and then all through the millennium, and the great white throne judgment. All of that has to come through Christ. So it says, all people. Verse 35, And you also a sword shall go through your own soul in order that the imaginations of many hearts may be revealed. Now here you are. Here's this old, old man. I don't know if what he looked like, but he was quite old, holding the baby being inspired to speak these words and saying that the sword is going to go through his side. That literally happened. You find that in John 19. And that sword was a, a short spear. And it came on his right side, right up, straight in, and probably pierced his heart so that he would die and that all of his blood would be shed there on the ground. Okay? Now notice verse 6. Now there was Anna, a prophetess, a sinner of uh, of the tribe of Asher, and she was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow about 84 years. So she must have been way up in her 90s by this time. Okay. who did not depart from the temple serving day and night with fastings and supplications. So notice the people involved. So the angels had to move these people just at the right time when they were at the temple. And at the time she came up giving praise to the Lord, and she spoke concerning him to all those in Jerusalem who were waiting for redemption. Now when they had completed all these things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city of Nazareth. However, Matthew brings out some very important things that needed to be added before they returned to Galilee. So let's come to Matthew, the second chapter. Matthew, the second chapter. Okay? Verse 1. Now, after Jesus had been born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Now, we're not told how far east it was. It's just the Greek word for east is Anatolia. Okay? How far? These magi. Were they from the tribes of Israel who were in captivity? Not in captivity. They were actually running Parthia at the time. So again, God revealed it to people far, far, far away. Not to Herod, not to the priest, not to people in general, but just to special messengers. So let's read on. So they came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Now this is a startling thing. A king. That's a threat to Herod. Okay? Verse 3. But when Herod heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. How could it be that these men come from the east with knowledge none of us here have? How could that be? And after gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ should be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judea, in no way are you least among the princes of Judea, for out of you shall come forth a prince, and he shall shepherd my people Israel. Now that's quite a thing. Here's Herod. Now remember, Herod was half Jew and half Edomite. Very interesting combination, okay? And that's why we have in that chart in when was Jesus born, we carry it on down to the death of Herod because that becomes an important point in a historical understanding about Jesus and so forth. And it's important to understand that he died way before 33 A.D., Okay. All right. Verse 7. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and ascertained from them the exact time of the appearing of the star. Now, it doesn't tell us exactly when that was. Okay. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the little child, and when you have found him, Bring word back to me also, so that I may go and worship him. Really? This murderous king, Herod. And after hearing the king, they departed, and behold, the star that had seen in the east went in front of them until it came and stood over the house where the little child was. And after seeing the star, they rejoiced, with exceeding great joy. Okay? And they came into the house and found the little child with Mary his mother, so at this time they were in a house. So before they went back to Nazareth, they were in a house. Now let's see what happens here. Because who is always after Jesus to kill him? Satan we see that right here so what did God do we'll see that and they worshipped him and then they opened their treasures and presented gifts to him gold and frankincense and myrrh but being divinely instructed in a dream not to go back to Herod they returned to their own country by another way now Little sidebar, you may read something by another writer who says that there were 2,500 troops that came with the Magi. That is not true. There's no account of it here in the Bible. And if there were 2,500 troops, it would have been well known to Herod when they left that the troops would go with them and this would Automatically reveal where Jesus was. So for him to say that is an imagination that he wants to sort of puff up the book. Okay. But there were no troops from Parthia. Okay. They were, they left another way. Now notice verse 13 immediately. Now after they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the little child and his mother and escape into Egypt, and remain there until I shall tell you, for Herod is about to seek the little child to destroy him. Okay? So, notice, when they left. And he rose up by night, took the little child and his mother, and went into Egypt. So they left by night. Now it may have been a full moon, so they would have enough light to kind of see where they were going. Okay. Who was probably in bed sleeping? Herod. Perfect time to get out of town, right? Okay. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Okay? Now, don't you get the sense that all during this time there were angels guiding and directing things to take place, watching over and protecting Jesus? Yes, of course. Okay? Verse 16. Then Herod, after seeing that he had been mocked by the Magi, was filled with rage. And he sent and put to death all the boys that were in Bethlehem in the area all around from two years and under. That doesn't mean that Jesus stayed there for two years. But Herod wanted to make sure that he killed the one who was supposed to be the king of the Jews. Verse 17, There was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice out of Ramah, Lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she would not be comforted because they were not. Now then notice this is another important thing here's where it ties in they went to to Galilee okay verse 19 now when Herod had died behold an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in Egypt in a dream notice how involved the angels were all through all of this okay what did Jesus what did Jesus say when he was under arrest. What did he say? He said, If I would ask my father for twelve legions of angels, he would give them. So that tells you angels were active all during his ministry as well. How do you think that all of those crowds were able to come? Who helped stir them up? Who helped send men around giving the message where he was so they could come? Okay. So here's what the angel told him, verse 20. Arise and take the little child and his mother and go in to the land of Egypt, for those who were seeking the life of the little child have died. That's why we have on that chart when Herod died. And he died in February after Jesus was born. You have September, October, November, December, January, February. He died in February. So they were in Egypt about four months. And he arose and took the little child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. And when he heard that Archulus was reigning over Judea instead of Herod his father, he was afraid to go there. And after being divinely instructed again in a dream, he went into the part of Galilea, and after arriving, uh, he dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Quite an interesting thing, isn't it? Huh? All of that involved with Christ. Okay? Now, let's come back to Luke, the second chapter. Here's something we don't have. We don't have much about Jesus growing up. There are some legends that as he was a teenager, he may have gone with Joseph of Arimathea, who may have been his uncle. We don't know. That's just speculation. But we know nothing about from the time he came to Nazareth until the time here in Luke, the second chapter, when they went up to Jerusalem when Jesus was 12 years old. And after 12 years old, we have nothing until he, we come to the time of his baptism. Okay. Now, all of this was to protect him, to have him in places that the officials wouldn't think of looking. Okay? So let's come back here to Luke, the the second chapter. Let's pick it up in verse 40. Verse 40, Luke 2. And the little child grew and became strong in spirit, being filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Now this is when they were calling unleavened bread Passover, because it says in John the second chapter that he was there at the feast during the days. Okay, how many days is Passover? One day. Okay. All right. So they went up to the feast. Verse forty-two. And when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when did he departed after completing the days? That's eight days altogether, right? Yeah, Passover one day and seven days of unleavened bread. The child Jesus remained behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother did not know it, which shows they trusted Jesus. They let him do what he needs to do, but they didn't know that he was going to stay back. Okay. Verse 44, But supposing him to be in the company, because they had other relatives and things going up, they went a day's journey and looked for him among the relatives and among his acquaintance. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. So here they were, wondering, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Now add that on top of everything else that they went through on the special circumstances concerning Jesus. Verse 46, Now it came to pass after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both hearing them and questioning them. Now then, let's stop for just a minute. How did Jesus know what he knew from an infant up until this time. Okay. Now we know in John, the seventh chapter, at the Feast of Tabernacles, that the religious authorities said of Jesus, how did he get this wisdom and knowledge never being schooled? Now that means that he never attended any of their school. So how did Jesus learn? Who taught him? Hold your place here and let's come back to Isaiah 50. Okay. Now this is a very interesting scripture indeed, Isaiah 50. And also shows you some of the way that God hides things through having a little here, a little there, and in different places that you have to properly put it together. Okay? Isaiah 50. Verse 4, Isaiah 50. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned to know to help the weary with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as one being taught. Now we know from John the 12th chapter and other places that he spoke what his father commanded him to speak. So who taught him from day one? God the Father. Every morning. Okay? That must have been something. Okay? And I don't suppose that Mary and Joseph knew anything about this. Let's go on. And the Lord has opened my ear. I was not rebellious nor turned away backwards. Notice the next verse. It jumps from his childhood to his trial and scourging. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that pluck off the hair. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Okay, So it goes from how he was taught right to the end of his life. So that's quite a thing. Okay. So here he is at age 12. Let's come back to Luke the second chapter. Okay, Don't you imagine that Jesus learned a lot by this time? Now you would have to say what? being the Son of God, he had to be what? The smartest man ever in the world. Right? Also, the most humble of any man in the world. Correct? Yes, indeed. All right. Now back here to Luke, the second chapter. Verse 47. Here he's sitting there, questioning them and giving answers. And all those who were listening to him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Okay? Just one verse. See how God ties things together in the Scriptures? Two verses back there in Isaiah 50, and one verse here. So, verse 48, and when they saw him, they were astounded, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you dealt this way with us in this manner? Look, your father and I have have been very distressed while searching for you. And he said to them, so he knew what he had to do at twelve. But he couldn't do it for another 18 years. Why? Because he had a lot of other things he needed to learn as well. Okay. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Don't you realize that I must be about my father's business? They didn't understand that. Okay. Now notice. But they did not understand the words that he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And he was subject to them. All teenagers, listen up. Jesus was not rebellious. Didn't we read that back in Isaiah 50? Yes, indeed. Now notice this verse, verse 50. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Okay? So, When Luke went up to Jerusalem, 58 to 60 A.D., he got all the information firsthand and wrote it down. Quite a thing. Here we have this great history of the two most important women on the face of the earth going back or going forward. Quite a thing. And we have their very words because God wanted us to know how important these events were. Okay? So that's what it has to do with the birth of Jesus Christ.